0: Hey everyone! Welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Greens Beauty Director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we talk about beauty through the lens of well-being. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we have a makeup episode with one of our favorite Mind Body Green makeup sources, Jenny Patikan. She is a makeup artist and she quite literally wrote the book on achieving that no fuss, effortless, yet polished makeup aesthetic. She calls it lazy perfection. And honestly, I am always down to get a little lazier with my routine. So when anyone has any tips on how to make their makeup products or their steps or their routine go a little bit further and work smarter, not harder. I am very, very down to listen to all their advice. And honestly, that's kind of what our episode is about today. It's it's about the small things that you can do that really, really go the distance. You know, if you are not somebody who wants to do a full face of makeup every day, Listen, I'm right there with you, but if you are somebody who also wants to, you know, cover up some flushing or maybe hides a blemish or two or maybe help your skin look more awake, there are small little tweaks that make the overall appearance look and feel effortless. In the episode, we also talk about... How to reduce consumerism in the beauty industry, what that means for our shopping habits, and why it's worth investing in high-quality tools that are going to last. It's a fun episode. I love Jenny. We use her all the time on the website, so you have probably seen her name pop up in several of our makeup stories The audio gets a little choppy here and there, but we did the best we could to clean it up in post-production, but just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a forewarning. Regardless, the advice is so worth the listen, so without further ado, let's just go ahead and start the episode. Jenny, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining. You are a longtime Mind Body Green beauty source. So I am so excited to have you on to chat today and learn more from you and let our audience get to know you a little bit better. And in the interest of that, I would love if you could share your story with us. What was your journey into the beauty industry
1: like? So well, I was totally a late bloomer. This was this was a really kind of a third career for me. I worked in marketing as my, you know, right out of college as my first career. And then I decided to stay home and take care of my kids. And I did that for 10 years. And then when I was 40, I was looking to vet a business concept that was related to makeup, but wasn't actually doing it myself. And I met an artist who was like, Mike, you seem to really like get makeup. You seem to understand it. Why don't you do some training? as a makeup artist and so I did and I got signed by a big international agency three weeks after I finished my training and they threw me in and I started working as an artist doing commercial editorial, you know, all sorts of work in Chicago and celebrity shoots and whatever was coming through town but really what I loved was working with real people and at that point at 40 I was starting to notice some changes in the way my face looked. A lot of my friends were starting to notice some changes. People were asking for advice. And so I decided, okay, this is, there's a, a, a blank space here that needs to be filled. And so I launched a business teaching women how to apply their makeup. And it kind of just took on a life of its own. And then I developed my first set of Tools because I was frustrated with the tools that were available in the marketplace. And then I started doing a lot of on camera beauty expert work. And then I got a book deal and then started doing a lot of like national media and expanded the product line. And I think that catches us up to where I am today. <laughs> it's okay, been a so journey. It is a
0: journey. But, you know, I'm curious about what drew you to makeup at, you know, some sort of like core level, because, you know, obviously you have this professional journey into it, but once you had that first interaction with perhaps going down this journey into makeup in a professional world, like what was that click inside of you that you were like, oh, I love makeup or I love this, you know, was there, was there something there that really like pulled you in a passionate way? I grew up
1: with a very glamorous mind. My mom was, she used to get mistaken for celebrities all the time. We once got into, my my parents are British and we were in London. I got into a taxi with my mother and the cab driver turned around and he looked at her and said, oh, I'm going to tell my wife you were in my cab today. And my mom went, okay, great. You know, (laughs) I think she was, she was mistaken for Joan Collins quite a bit. She was that level of glamorous. So I yeah. grew up, you know, watching her put on her makeup. I used to love actually watching her take her makeup off at the end of the day. Interesting. She used Hans cold cream and a tissue. And it was just so satisfying to watch. But, you know, it was it was just part of the environment that I grew up in. I was the only daughter. And so yeah. you know, my mom and I kind of bonded over beauty. Yeah. And, you know. And in high school, I used to do makeup for my friends. Okay. And, and, and you college. were that friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I never considered becoming a professional makeup artist myself until I hit 40. Yeah. You know, it was just fun. But I always loved it.
0: So like when you were growing up and you had, you know, you loved makeup, you loved applying it, but it was never a professional aspiration when you then decided oh this could be a professional aspiration were you scared what like walk me through the emotions because you know i think changing careers in any respect is so admirable but it's also like it takes so much courage it's you know there's because i can imagine it's it's probably scary to all of a sudden just take your life in a new direction
1: it it wasn't so much scary it okay. felt right to me i knew that it was the right industry for me and i knew that i had the skill set that i needed to be successful in yeah. the industry in terms of the artistry um what was really challenging was the reaction that i got from a lot of my friends and acquaintances because interesting artistry does not really get taken very seriously if you're not in the business it's it's taken more seriously now if there's much more Access to information and much more visibility into the industry now than there ever has been, but you know when I decided to become an artist, my friends would say things to me like, "Why would you want to be a makeup artist? You can just hire a makeup artist wow. you know, and people didn't really understand so it it wasn't I wasn't scared, but there was a certain level of pushback from my community, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, they didn't you had the vision and they they weren't seeing the vision yet, but I I am assuming they would come come and see your vision quite
1: quite quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I get text messages every day from my friends that have been <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> everybody's everybody's come around. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can imagine. So listen, what is your beauty philosophy?
1: So the name of my book is Lazy Perfection and that is really that kind of just sums up my philosophy i just feel like it doesn't need to be as complicated and overwhelming as we are all conditioned to think it should be mm. so i like i like simple with a little extra detail like yeah. just you know clean simple and when i wrote my book it was at the height of the youtube celebrity sure. frenzy and it was you know this very very artist heavy you know like sculptural like really technical makeup application and lazy perfection is completely at the other end of the spectrum from that you know it's so funny that you that you bring that up and that
0: fact that you wrote this during the height of the youtube area era because you know, when you were talking about how things don't have to be so complicated, my head immediately went to these very, very complicated tutorials. So, you know, you obviously saw that this was happening in in the broader industry, that people were, you know, instructing these very complicated makeup routines, these aesthetics. And you said, no, I think there is still a space. For people who want something more simple and toned down, you know, what was the industry's reaction to you saying, no, there's still this, this area here who wants
1: something that I can offer? I can tell you that my literary agent, all the publishers that I met with and spoke to Every single one of them had the same reaction, which was, thank goodness, because right now we don't feel like anybody is talking to us. Yeah. There are more people who want to wear less makeup. Yeah. And we're seeing that now, right? The less is more makeup trend is huge at the moment, but this is five years ago. And people, I think, felt like the industry wasn't really talking to them. And there's a lot to be said for that very technical artistry. It really takes a lot of talent and a lot of skill, but it's not super user-friendly. And it definitely does not fall under the lazy perfection umbrella. So, you know, part of my objective when I was out pitching this book concept was to give women a sense of relief that it doesn't have to be that technical. But, you know, also it was the first time that, there was this huge access to beauty tutorials i mean we really hadn't had that much access in a pre youtube era and so there it was you know such a steep learning curve but people that was all they were seeing were these sure. very technical youtube videos and it was off putting to a lot of people who just want clean simple get out the-
0: yeah yeah, I know. I think you're absolutely spot on. Obviously, there is a huge area of women who just you're, want something much more simple, much easier, something that works in our daily life. So, you know, I always say that this podcast is beauty taken through the lens of well-being. And so I always like to ask, along with your beauty philosophy, what is your wellness and well-being philosophy?
1: It's to fall under that lazy perfection umbrella I have yeah. to say like yeah I just don't think that anything needs to be over complicated everything in moderation you know in terms of, of fitness I'm not a natural athlete so I'm not out there trying to force myself to be athletic I do what feels good for my body and that's enough for me same thing with nutrition I've Try to listen to my body, but if I want to have a bag of Doritos one day, I will have that bag of Doritos. You know, yeah. I just don't feel like I need to put so much pressure on myself because everybody else is talking about the you shoulds and you must. Oh, I love that. The you shoulds and the you must, because that is
0: such a you know, prevalent part of the media. And listen, I'm certainly guilty of it from time to
1: time. I am too, absolutely, but I try not to
0: be. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right just because you know there is no universal rule for every that fits everybody, you know, it's there's a lot of nuance in a lot of these discussions. Okay, so you said your beauty philosophy is lazy perfectionist and you know, you definitely you like a less is more sort of makeup look. Describe to me what exactly does that Involve in a more you know makeup technical sense does that mean you know you let your skin breathe does that mean you know like what does that mean in a day-to-day setting
1: you know most of my clients are aware of age-related changes to their skin or they want to be prepared for those changes that are coming so it's there's a lot of focus on complexion Mm -hmm. and you know, to, to reference the, there are no shoulds or musts. Everybody has a different idea of what's going to make them feel good about their complexion. For me, any sort of product that evens out the tone of your skin and helps it look brighter is an important product to have in your kit. It can be just concealer. It can be tinted moisturizer, tinted sunscreen. It can be a full face of foundation. It really doesn't matter. And I always tell my clients that things like stars and freckles and fine lines, none of that bothers me. I I don't feel as an artist or as a human being like those need to be covered up, but, but brightness in the skin is something that makes you look healthy. So I use the words modern and fresh a lot when I'm talking about makeup and I look for, you know, bright, hydrated skin is going to make you look modern and fresh. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I like a little detail. It doesn't have to be huge detail, but for me personally, pretty much every day I wear a smudgy eyeliner. That's the detail I like. But it's different for everybody there's usually one product or one step in your beauty routine that changes the game for some people it's filling and shaping your eyebrows for some people it's putting on a little blush for some people it's a pop of color on their lip it doesn't matter but for most people it can be just one step that changes how they look and how they feel for me it's smudgy eyeliner. so you know i'm i'm I work with my clients all the time to help them figure out like what's going to be their signature look. Well, that's fun. Can I, can I ask, quickly ask a follow-up? Sure, sure,
0: sure. How do you help people find what their, their detail is? I, I think people love having something that they feel that it is signature to them.
1: So, you know, how do you help women get there? It's a really holistic approach. It's yeah. looking at not just their facial structure, their their anatomical structure, not just their coloring, but it's their personal style, it's their lifestyle. How much time do you have to put into your makeup? Are you a strictly at leisure person or do you like to get dressed up or are you jeans and t-shirt person? And it's also about your technical skill set and what you're willing to do. Like somebody who wants to wear a liquid eyeliner cat eye every single day, but has never done it before, isn't comfortable with the medium, and only has two minutes in the morning to apply their makeup, that's, that's not going to be the detail that I'm going to recommend for them. Yeah. So, you know, I try to take all of those factors into consideration to help guide my clients to the right detail for them. Sure. No, that and makes it's a lot just, of sense. it's just different for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the last point that you left off was details. Was there anything else that you wanted to add?
1: I mean, I I really like, like, cream blush. I think it's just a great detail product because you can use it lips, cheeks, and eyes. And yeah. there are a million different ways that you can apply it. You can contour with it. You can make the apple of your cheek look fuller. You can contour your eyelid. You can just, like, a pop of brightness. So that would be kind of a, a detailed product that I think a lot of people should look into. Okay, I I love a cream blush. We at my buddy Green, we
0: our beauty team is like very much on team cream cream blush. It's like all of our favorite products. So yeah. I'm right there with you. It me just too. makes the world of difference. I like always have a little like pot on me.
1: It does. And I always tell people like nobody has a naturally powder, powdery texture in their skin. So, you know, cream is always going to meld better with your skin and look more natural.
0: Yeah. Also a great tip. I love that. Okay, so we know that makeup is only as good as the tools that you use to apply it. You know this. You know this better than anybody. I do. (laughs) <laughs> Which is you know why you created your tools. Tell me about you know I, I want to get a little bit more into detail about the the process of you starting your line, your brand. What was it that you saw that was missing in the market that you said i i i I can put my stamp in here. I can create something that people are going to love
1: originally it was I was frustrated as a consumer that there was. Too much choice. And I felt that I was being upsold on makeup brushes, particularly for eye makeup. You know, you would go into a store, go to a counter, and they had 15 types of brushes for eyeshadow alone. And the salesperson would try and get you to buy as many as possible. And I found that frustrating as a consumer. Again, it falls under that lazy perfection umbrella. I think that one or two good brushes should be multi-purpose and multifunctional. Mm -hmm. So that was a big part of my thought when I was developing my line of makeup brushes. I don't think that you need to have one brush for powder products and one brush for cream products and the technology for making the bristles for makeup brushes has changed so dramatically now you can find one brush that will work with both textures. Whereas a few years ago, those weren't as easily available. Got it. There were brushes, there, the synthetic brushes were really slippery and you sometimes couldn't, the product wouldn't pick up from them or, or they wouldn't apply smoothly on your face. But fortunately that technology has changed. So that was really the first part of it was just making sure that I was putting together multi-purpose, multi-functional brushes because my research told me that most people had only four to six makeup brushes. Mm. And I just don't feel like you need to have 35 makeup brushes as a as a regular everyday makeup wearer. Oh, but I then like it kind of, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean that's just it. And you can use your fingers if you prefer. You can use a sponge. There's no right way or wrong way. It's just whatever's right for you so that when you get your makeup on and you walk out the door, you feel good. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get, which of course is, you know, like I'm sure I my business partners yes, are listening to this thinking. <laughs> It's not exactly encouraging people to go out and buy my makeup brushes, but I need it. Well, I get
0: I hey, listen, everybody, I can vouch. They're good, they're quality. (laughs) Stamp of my approval. (laughs) There you go.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um but I had a big shift. I I went on a safari trip in Africa and it kind of changed everything for me. It was really like one of these law circle of life moments. Yeah. And I stepped away from using natural hair in my makeup brush assortment and I started to really dial down on sustainable beauty Mm. Um, and including things like makeup sponges, which are, you know, they're terrible. They sit in a landfill. They, you know, frequently contain scary chemicals like flame retardants and who knows what kind of dyes. Some of them contain formaldehyde. And so for me, part of my journey has been trying to figure out how to make sustainable beauty tools that are going to be great for personal use, but also good for the planet or better. I hope I answered that
0: question. You did. But now I, you know, walk me through, you know, so you, you, you create your brand, you create these beautiful, effective tools that are good for you and good for the planet. Now, as a consumer, you know, I feel like a lot of times like consumers, my audience will listen to this and they'll, they'll want actionable tips they can take. Like, what are the things you should look for? <coughs> you know, you should look for brushes that have X, Y, Z in it. You should look for things that, you know, don't use this. Do you have any tips for people on, you know, what, you, what they can look for
1: in identifying high quality brushes? A high quality brush you're not going to have to replace very your- frequently. Oh, so yeah, if you've time. got if you've got a brush that sheds or that feels prickly on your skin or that has not held its shape, and you need to go out and replace that brush, it it should be a little bit of a red flag to you from a sustainability standpoint. A really beautifully constructed makeup brush should last you years and years and years. So that's the first thing. And I and I do think that you get what you pay for to a large extent with products mm-hmm. like makeup brushes. But for me, I also think about how brushes are manufactured. Are they made in a factory that is using a loop manufacturing process? Meaning, are they recycling the waste that they generate? Okay. Or are they dumping their water into a river that's close by. Are they treating their workers well? Are they ethical? Where are they sourcing their their products, the the components for the products from? We're actually going to be launching in the early part of next year a new sustainable makeup brush line where all of the components are post-industrial recycled. That's really cool. So for me, you know, If it's important to you to look at, thank you. If it's important for you to consider the impact of your beauty tools on the planet, you have to consider, are you going to have to replace this tool because it's going to fall apart? Or are you investing in a tool that you're going to be able to use for years and years and years? Yeah. That's, you know, that's just makeup brushes. But when you think of things like makeup sponges, We just launched two that use new technology that make them biodegradable, which I feel really proud of because the idea of a makeup sponge or blender sitting in a landfill for God knows how long is very upsetting. Like, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. So, you know, again, we look for the factories that use closed-loop manufacturing processes that give a certification on where they're sourcing the ingredients are sponges are plant-based. So I want to know like, where are they getting those plant materials? And it's really just trying to be responsible about, for me, responsible about the manufacturing process. And what I would recommend to consumers is, is being responsible waste and considering yeah. like how much waste you're generating.
0: Yeah. You know, your, your answer made me realize that, you know, I think so many people in the beauty space now are are coming to the realization and coming to terms with that they need to make their beauty routine more sustainable. And they need to look for, you know, products that can be a part of a more sustainable lifestyle. And we often tend to think about that in terms of, you know, more like the products themselves. And so I think, you know, to your point, it needs to extend the entire routine, including the tools that you're using. Because, you know, if you have a high quality tool that is going to stay with you, think about how much less waste that you are going to like have at the end of your routine. You know, I just think like people don't necessarily think about their routines from start to finish. They're like, you know, maybe they just focus on their skincare. Like, oh, this is a biodegradable face wash. This is this lipstick comes in a recyclable packaging, whatever it is. They're not thinking holistically. Um, And your brushes are just as an important part of that conversation as any other part of the routine.
1: I mean, I think so. That's part of the reason that I wanted to build out this tool line was because I was frustrated with the over-consumerism and uh, just the waste that gets generated.
0: Okay, so the next thing I wanted to chat about were some tips that our listeners can use in their daily life. You know, I you have obviously described your aesthetic and it, I think it very clearly aligns with probably a lot of the listeners that are listening to our podcast, you know, a very minimal look, something that feels very effortless, but, you know, still something that elevates you and makes you feel polished and makes you feel confident. You know, I think that's a very mind-body-green approach to makeup so I definitely need to get some of your tips but I always like to ask you know what are some things that you see people do that you would rather have them not like what mistakes do you see people make that you would like to maybe re-educate people
1: I'm a little reluctant to call anything a mistake because at the end of the day if you feel good about how you look then there are no mistakes I'm not a makeup artist who's gonna come down hard on the, the right side or the wrong side. I I think if it makes you feel good, that's great. Having said that, aesthetically, you know, for me, I think that very matte skin is something I don't love seeing. I understand if somebody has concerns about, you know, acne scarring or acne or breakouts or whatever that that a very matte look might be their preferred choice. For me, I think it could be a little bit aging and it can flatten the dimension, the appearance of the dimension on the skin. That's not one I super love. Um, I, this is kind of a nitpicky one, but I don't really enjoy... Shimmer in the contour in the crease of the eyelid. I think it can make your eyes look really puppy. Same thing underneath your brow bone. Well, you know, when you've got a reflective product, the light is going to hit that reflective, that reflective product first and bounce away. So it gives the impression that that area is higher. So that's why you wear highlighter on the top of your cheek, right? It makes your cheek look fuller and more lifted. But when you do it in your socket line, in the crease of your eye, it can just make your eyes look kind of puff. So that's one I don't love. But again, if it's a color you love and you've been doing it for years and you feel great in it, more power to you. I'm not, I would never take that away from anybody. And that was kind of just a nitpicky one. Yeah. You know, like little things, Like I think that people don't always think about cleaning up their makeup. Like I sometimes see people who thought foundation in their eyebrows, you know, take a second to use a damp makeup sponge and kind of run through your eyebrows to lift that away. It can be distracting when somebody is talking to you, if they can see that in your eyebrows. So those are all like really small nitpicking. No,
0: but I, I, I think they're good, small little tips for people who tend to have, you know, a similar aesthetic to you, you know, who want something glowy, who want something that feels very polished. You know, I think I think those are all things that we can all look out for. But, you know, like you said, of course, if somebody likes to do their makeup, how they like to do it, all power two of them. OK, so let's talk about your basics and what you teach people to do as kind of like a very a very day-to-day sort of face. You know what? Walk me through
1: that. So I'm a huge fan of concealer. Concealer down the center of the face can make everything else on your skin look very even. So a lot of people have redness kind of between their eyebrows. So if you use a little concealer to neutralize that redness, and then on your nose and the sides of your nose to fill in pores, and then on your chin to fill in pores and color correct, you know, to cover up any redness. Any other redness you have on your face, like in your cheek, looks like it's there on purpose. Mm. So for me, that's just a really simple, easy thing to do, just concealer down the center of your face. Filling in your eyebrows, I think, can, can be very, very impactful. Or the way the rest of your face looks, um, even if you don't want to change the shape or the color, if you just fill in the little patches and get a nice clean line, it can really it can really elevate your look. Yeah. I'm a big fan of curling your eyelashes and putting on a little mascara. I think you know when your lashes are straight. Think of it like like a canopy. There's a shadow underneath that canopy. Oh, sure. But when you curl your lashes up, there's no shadow anymore. Your eyes are automatically going to attract light and they're going to look bigger and brighter. So curling lashes and putting on a little mascara. I'm a huge fan of tight lining, which is when when you apply liner underneath the roots of your upper lashes, it makes the base of your lashes look thicker. So your Mm -hmm. lashes look thicker and fuller. It defines the shape of your eye. And it makes the whites of your eyes pop really mm-hmm. bright. That's something very small that you can do that just is a big game changer. And then, cream blush, yeah, a little on your lids, little on cheeks, little on your lips.
0: Okay, so tightlining. I want some more advice on tightlining. I am somebody who totally stopped wearing eyeliner during the pandemic. And like, honestly, even before the pandemic, but I, I'm getting back into it. I'm having a little bit of fun with eyeliner. I've, I've brought back the the pencils and the liquid liners out of the makeup bag, but I have found that I have lost my touch (laughs) pretty majorly. So, you know, tight lining, how, what is your best technique for somebody to achieve it on the?
1: For somebody who's never done it before, it's good to kind of take your pinky and just put it on the center of your lid and very slightly lift your lid up. That way you can see the roots of your lashes and then just take a pencil and with very short strokes, just kind of wiggle it back and forth until you've covered the entire length of your lash line once you get used to the sensation you won't have to hold your lid anymore you'll just be able to take your pencil and just kind of run it back and forth underneath your lash line so i tell my clients that tightlining can be a little bit of a mindfuck <laughs> because you're like coming straight at your eye with a pointed yeah. implement yeah but yeah. you you can actually Hear it in a quiet room, you can hear the sound of your eyelashes moving underneath the pencil. It has to be a quiet room. Okay. But like that's how you know you're in the right place with your eye pencil. You will hear your eyelashes moving back and forth from inside your head. It's like, it's a really, it is a mind fuck. Yeah thing, but it works.
0: honestly I love that tip. Just <laughs> listen for it and you'll know you're doing it right. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it actually works.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I you know, I think we both have wax poetic about our love of blush, specifically cream blush. Do you have a preference on how people apply it or where they apply it on their face? Is it face shape dependent? I mean, where where do you fall on this sort of blush spectrum
1: conversation i'd say it's a little bit face shape dependent you know for me i'm 54 and so at my age and and my contemporaries age you you the fatty pads on your cheeks kind of get lower and lower and lower. So if you try to apply blush on your fat pad, sometimes it can make your face look a little droopy. In that case, I would advocate for moving the blush slightly higher on the apples of the cheek. But you can use your blush to contour. You know, if you've got a very square-shaped face or very round face, you can use your blush to kind of cut an angle Mm -hmm. where there really isn't one. So you could use it as an optical illusion kind of tool. But really at the end of the day, for most people, if you apply it on the top of the cheekbone, kind of using the corner of, use the corner of your eye as the guideline and apply it back from there toward your temple, that's a good place for most people. Okay. But there, there are makeup artists who... To feel really strongly about never applying blush on the apples of your cheeks or never using it to contour. And I just think it's how you feel good. And these days, the best way to measure whether you like it is take a quick selfie. You know, yeah, take a quick, take a super quick selfie. Or I, in the days before selfies, I would tell my clients put, turn your back to a mirror and then turn around and look at yourself really quickly and see what you notice on your face. Yeah. But I, I I don't think there are really any rules. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the selfie
0: idea. Cuz you can you it's can tell scary. a lot about your look when you take that selfie.
1: Yeah, you've got to have some grace when you're looking at those yeah, selfies. Like exactly. you've got to be kind to yourself, but you can you can at least tell like what it's doing to the shape of your face.
0: For sure. For sure you know, you're somebody who stays up to date on social media and you have a platform where you're able to chat with people and interact with people and see what's happening on social media. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like what sort of social media trends are you seeing right now? And I asked this question in two parts, you know, what trends are you into? And you're, you know, you're like, oh, I think this is net positive. And then what trends kind of make you say, hmm, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily sure about this.
1: Again, so much of it is about personal style and what works for you in a holistic sense. I, I really love that Gen Z is so much about acceptance and feeling good about whatever is going on on your face or your body. I love that trend. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more conversation about imperfect makeup Mudging, you know things that are just not that artificial filtered kind of look although i love a good filter i really think that gen z is so great about embracing imperfections and being like much more accepting so i think we're going to see more conversation about that there's already a little bit of backlash about again overfiltering over-retouching. Mm-hmm. The second part of that question was trends that... I don't yeah, maybe ignore. like you don't really like, and I don't okay. even mean
0: this question in trends of terms of like aesthetic trends. I just mean this in like, this can be like social trends media. writ large, like, and yeah. you know, like uh, almost like societal trends with social media.
1: Yeah. So it's fascinating with social media because there are so many people out there trying to go viral that they're creating these like ridiculous hacks. I saw somebody not too long ago applying makeup with a marshmallow. Like it's just, you know, some of it is just silly and not, nobody is going to be incorporating a marshmallow into their beauty routine. You know, people are, people are very much looking for their viral moment, their 15 minutes of fame. And I think a lot of it has to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, but I do think there are some really interesting, creative innovators out there who are coming up with hacks. I posted one on my Instagram yesterday about using an eyelash curler to help shape your eyeshadow, where you put oh, your lash curler that. on top of your lid and you use it as a guide to contour your lid. And then you use the handle of the eyelash curler to get the outline, the outer corner of your eye. That to me is innovative and interesting yeah. and useful. I might not do it every day, but it, it works. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that it's a little bit viewer beware. It's not buyer sure. beware. It's a viewer beware because there's a lot of nonsense. There. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's still trending.
0: Yeah. Culturally on social media,
1: and there's access to so much information about yeah. beauty and about beauty products. A trend I would really like to see go away is this over-consumerism. But I can tell you that as a brand founder, there's so much pressure to constantly release new products sure, because the consumer is hungry for it. And that is very much fed by what people are seeing on social media. If yeah. you follow your favorite TikTok influencer and every day they've got a new land, new launch from another brand, it's very hard to resist temptation to go out and buy that product. Mm. But it feeds this cycle of waste in the beauty industry. And, you know, it's a little bit like having a sugar craving, you know, for me, I feel like I look at the video and I think, oh, that is like really beautiful, really fascinating. And then I try to give myself like a little space away from what I've been watching and say to myself, do I need it? Sure. Do I, you know, will I use it? And, you know, like, do I really want it? Or am I just caught up in how sexy this launches? Yeah. That, that is an unfortunate trend on social media that's impacting the whole industry.
0: Oh, it's totally impacting the whole ecosystem. And You know, I think your advice to just take a step back and, you know, reevaluate how much you actually want it, I think, you know, I think that is such important advice just because I think that social media, it it stirs something in us that we want it immediately or we feel that we need to do it right then and there when we see it on our screens. And, you know, at the end of the day, like none of us need anything that instantaneously. Like we can all take a breather and say, you know, how would this actually fit into my life? And would I benefit from it in a way that, you know, is meaningful?
1: But it's also, it's also, people need to step back and think, do I already have something in my kit that will accomplish this thing? Um, You know, I, I love a beauty junkie. I love talking about makeup. I have a ridiculous amount of makeup in my personal kit and my professional kit. But It's getting, I think, to a point where it's, I'm reluctant to use the word dangerous, but it is, we're at a kind of a critical point in the health of our planet. Yeah. Where I think we all need to be just a little bit more aware of what we're going out and buying. Yeah. No, I mean, we, you know, listen, I know it also, it also fills an emotional need for a lot of people, and it certainly has and does for me, but I'm, you know i'm just trying to like not eat the cookie the second i want the cookie
0: yeah yeah absolutely i you know i think you're i think you're so right on so many of those elements that you know there is a reason that people seek these things out and it's valid, you know, to your point that it fills an emotional need, you know, that's, that is valid. And, you know, sometimes that, that does happen, but, you know, I think we could all just be a little bit more mindful about how we're, how we're consuming and what we're consuming, which is kind of a funny way to segue into the next section because it is about what you use. <laughs> oh, <ha>. but. <laughs> But, you know, you as a mindful consumer, I'm sure you have, you know, so, some things that you use that you love and come with your stamp of approval, which, you know, I'm always eager to hear, especially from the pros like yourself. So, you know, let's start with makeup.
1: What are you using right now? I've just been using the new RMS Beauty Pump Foundation. I don't remember the name of it, but I get a lot of compliments on my skin when I wear it. It's really beautiful. It's a little, it's a little medium to full coverage, which is maybe just a little bit more than I like, but I've been shearing it out with a damp sponge and I'm really enjoying that. I think Mob Beauty is doing such an amazing job. They're testing this compostable packaging. They're so eco-aware, which I really love. And their formulation colors, they've got this cream clay eyeshadow blush and bronzer. And they're, they just don't. Budge over the course of the day. They just that clay like absorbs the oils in your skin, and you just get amazing wear time. So I'm enjoying my mob beauty at the moment. Okay. Hmm. I'm trying to think what else.
0: And we can dabble in some skincare yeah. too if you have any skincare. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm obsessed, and I'm always reluctant to use that word because I think it's very overused. But I am genuinely obsessed by my chia. I think mm-hmm. that their skincare line is so beautiful and their, I think it's called advanced recovery complex. Moisturizer okay. is like amazing, 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 amazing. We went up to the mountains this summer and my skin usually like is puckered and dry. It just really made a beautiful difference to my skin. I'm trying not to... Foliate as much as I used to. So, you know, I dermaplane my skin probably every three weeks with my own dermaplaning tool. And and then I apply the myotin moisturizer on top and a LaPruvier oil on top of that. I'm sure, I'm And I'm finding that to be a really nice
0: combination. Yeah. I mean, that sounds absolutely delightful. And you have gorgeous skin. So I can see that's
1: effective too.
0: <laughs> you know, we I believe everything is skincare and everything is beauty on some level from how much you sleep to what you eat to your stress levels. So, you know, I always like to give people the space to talk about how they take care of their body in a more holistic sense. Um, You know, what are the things that you prioritize when you take care of yourself?
1: It's a lot about movement for me. I know I said earlier that I'm not athletic, but just being outside and even just taking a walk. I yeah. find it very calming. And anytime I can be in a forest, I like to be in a forest. Yeah. Our vacations are very focused on being in the mountains, by a river, in a forest. I find it just very grounding and soothing. So that's that's one thing that I like to prioritize. With regards to nutrition, everything in moderation. I've Unfortunately, I think totally messed up my metabolism over the years by trying every fad diet known to men. And now these days, I'm really just trying to listen to my body a little bit more. And like I said, if I, if I have, you know, a, a need for Doritos, I will let myself eat the Doritos. But then I also, you know, really like to pay attention to fruits and vegetables. I'm trying to think what else, you know, with regards to mental health, I'm so lucky that I've got An amazing husband and an amazing partner who I'm completely comfortable sharing my thoughts and feelings with. I think that's really important to have somebody who feels like a safe space. Yeah. I'm a big fan of therapy. I'm not currently seeing a therapist, but if I need one, I will see one. I I think it's so important to get somebody who's going to be objective and like you feel completely safe exposing every single that you're feeling. And I think those are kind of my main wellness thing.
0: Well, I mean, I those are plenty to, you know, keep you feeling whole and happy. And I think it fits very well with your overall philosophy and mission that it should be effortless, but, you know, works for you and and holistic. So I, you are a very well-rounded person. Oh, thank tell. you. It's
1: taken it's taken 54 years to get <laughs> here, but I, I I hope that I am at this point.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your advice from the holistic advice to the little details. You know, there is so much fodder here that people can walk away from the episode, hopefully learning a little bit and that they can use in their daily life. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want more beauty content, you can find it at mindbodygreen.com or any of our social channels. And finally, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.